0: Hi everyone, and thank you for joining us. You may remember that we've been having some conversations with program directors within EHS. I've invited them to join me for podcasts to discuss their program response to COVID nineteen public health crisis in Oregon. So far, again, you may remember that we've talked with the vocational rehabilitation and self sufficiency program directors. Today, we're talking about aging and people with disabilities program with interim director Mike McCormick. While the COVID-19 virus has been difficult for everyone, it has been particularly stressful and emotional for aging and people with disabilities staff. Because of the devastating impacts the disease has had on community of older Oregonians it serves, you may have noticed coverage in the media, both in Oregon and nationally, about the devastating impact of COVID-19 on the older population, again in Oregon and across the nation. Mike, welcome. Before we dive into the APD pandemic response, why don't you give us a quick review of what APD does for
1: those who may not know your program and what you all do. Thank you Fairworths. It's a pleasure to be here today. So, I think our biggest program is that we administer the long-term care services to approximately 34,000 Oregonians. So, long-term care services are things that help people with activities of daily living, bathing, toileting, eating, those types of activities. That's where the bulk of our budget is located. We also do eligibility for the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program. All of the medical programs, including the Medicare savings programs. We also license all of the long term care facilities in Oregon so, nursing facilities, assisted living facilities, memory care communities, adult foster homes. We do adult protective services of investigations and reports for people that are older adults and people with disabilities who have potentially been subjected to abuse. We administer the Disability Determination Services Program. So this is the program which determines the disabilities that grant eligibility under the Supplemental Security Income Program, as well as the Social Security Disability Income Program. And finally, our last big program is that we oversee the administration of all of the Older Americans Act services. I also know that
0: APD was the first DHS program to jump into action when the pandemic hit Oregon in late February. Can you share with us an overview of the scenario and how APD responded to the first diagnosis of COVID-19 in
1: the population that you serve? Sure. I think Oregon was very fortunate that we were able to watch what was happening in the state of Washington. You may recall that the first large COVID outbreak in a long-term care facility happened at Life Care Center up in Kirkland, Washington, and that got a lot of local press as well as national media. So we were seeing how potentially devastating COVID could be to the population that is served in APD. We really began preparing on February 29th, I'll remember that day forever, where we started beginning on how we can equip our long-term care facilities with the first set of tools that help them keep COVID out of their communities. Because- You know, like I've said, people don't inherently have this disease, and most people that are in long-term care facilities aren't leaving and going out into the community all that often, so they need someone to bring it into the community, and then it spreads. So the initial efforts were all focused on prevention. So we worked as a team to figure out what are we going to do when one of our facilities has a COVID-positive individual in their building. So we developed a process that's materialized today called executive orders or EOs. And an executive order restricts admission into a facility. It requires additional infection control training. It requires facilities to isolate individuals, et cetera. So we got all of that ready so that when the first case came, we were ready to respond. The other preventative activity that we took was we visited almost 670 facilities to review their infection control procedures and their pandemic response plans during the first and second week of March. And that was a tremendous accomplishment for them to be able to get all of that work done And for the most part, with the exception of the Oregon Veterans Home in Lebanon, we were ahead of any facilities with COVID-positive cases. The last big thing we did was we established two facilities to specialize in serving long-term care eligible individuals who were COVID-positive exclusively. And you may have heard the term emergency health care centers or EHCCs. That is what I'm referring to. So we established two of those, one at Laurel Horse Village Rehab in Portland, and the second one at Pacific Health Rehabilitation in Tigard. And there's been a lot of demand for their services, and that's been a tremendously, incredibly important tool that we've been able to utilize as we've been battling this virus. Thank you, Mike.
0: What are some of the other programmatic changes APD has made outside of the long-term care facilities to support its consumers during the pandemic? Because I know you support a much larger community of um, service recipients and consumers across
1: Oregon. Sure. So I think all of our considerations were made with both the providers as well as the recipients of our services in mind. So we wanted to change our policies to minimize to the greatest extent possible any requirements for face-to-face contact. So we allowed telephonic assessments, video assessments. We allowed oral attestation of resources. We streamlined eligibility. We allowed case managers to make phone calls to consumers as opposed to -to face-to-face visits. And this was because we didn't want one of our employees inadvertently introducing the virus to the consumers that we serve. And alternatively, we didn't want our staff to face unnecessary risk for a consumer who might already have the virus, to give it to one of our employees. So a lot of policies were made to kind of streamline what we do, allow a lot of virtual activities to take place in lieu of face-to-face visits. We also adopted a prohibition against any type of adverse action against a recipient of Medicaid-funded long-term care services. So what's an adverse action? An adverse action is something where you're redetermining someone's eligibility and you ultimately find them ineligible. That was not allowed anymore. The reduction of services is another type of adverse action. The increase of copay is another type of adverse action. And this was really tied to the enhanced federal funding that we got out of the first stimulus bill from the federal government that prevented us from taking all of those types of adverse actions. I think that their rationale for that was very sound. When the nation is in a pandemic emergency, the last thing they want people to worry about is maintaining their health insurance and all of their coverage. So for a temporary period of time, there's a suspension of adverse actions so that the consumers of our services don't have to worry about that we'll get through this pandemic emergency and then we will resume to normal operations. I know that
0: everything that you've done and everything that, every action that Aging and People with Disabilities Program has taken is focused on keeping your consumers safe and prevent the further spread of this virus. At the same time, I know that this has been extremely difficult for your consumers and also for their families. Generally, people who are living in long-term care facilities enjoy visitation with their family members, families would like to see their loved ones, and in many cases, toward the end stages of life. And this has prevented those visitations. It has put a lot of regulations in place. What are you hearing from consumers and families about APD's actions during this public
1: health crisis? That's a great question, and what I can tell you is is that the response has evolved over time. I think in mid-March, we implemented the more restrictive visitor restriction policy for our long-term care facilities, and we received a lot of negative feedback on that policy. Our policy, obviously, was designed to ensure that as few people as possible were entering buildings and potentially introducing the virus into those communities. As time went on, people got why we did it, and they've seen some of the devastating impacts that COVID has on these communities. And I can say in general, the families and the residents of long-term care facilities understand and support the policy. And fortunately, our long-term care providers are getting very creative in trying to meet this inherent need for socialization that everyone has. They're enabling virtual visitation. Most of us have probably seen newspaper stories about a family member sitting outside the window of a resident of a long-term care facilities. They're also starting to do things like set up places at their long-term care facilities that support social distancing with barriers in between so that people are getting closer to a human touch. So, It's been tough on everyone involved. In fact, this past weekend was particularly difficult with it being Mother's Day, which is such a special day to so many people. But I think that overall, everyone gets it and they understand why those actions were put in place. And we're all looking forward to the day when we can safely lift those policies and let people go back to living normal lives.
0: I also know that this has been extremely difficult for the providers and the staff that work for those providers taking care of the residents of these long-term care facilities. It's not easy to walk into a COVID-positive facility every day, you're putting your own life at risk and then you're going home and you're uncertain about what's happening and whether or not you have, even with the best of protection, whether or not you have acquired this virus and are passing it
1: on. How are the providers doing? At the highest level, I am incredibly proud of APD's provider community. As of today's recording, we have 26 facilities that have COVID positive residents or staff associated with their building. And for context, that represents less than 4% of our facilities. So 96% today remain COVID-free. They're doing tremendous work. They're investing tremendous resources. Pandemic has started both in child welfare and aging and people with disabilities.
0: There has been concern about abuse and neglect. As people have been stationary, staying in one place and are not going into the community, people are not observing things and they're not reporting them. Your organization has been very diligent to push out a lot of information so that people can be cognizant of watching for these things and reporting it to you. Can you share with us some specific things that you've done, information that you put out there to help people through these times that have made things really difficult for
1: Adult Protective Services. Sure. So I think we're all aware that, you know, Oregonians across our entire state are experiencing a lot of anxiety over COVID-19, have lots of questions. And fortunately, we have our Aging and Disability Resource Connection Network. Throughout Oregon, that is designed to help Oregonians navigate our broad array of services that we administer in the Aging and People with Disabilities program. They've had a 32% increase in phone calls during this pandemic and a 13% increase in information and referral contacts. This tells me that the public needs information and. They're seeking it out, and hopefully they're receiving great information when they are calling the ADRC. I'm really glad that you brought up um, Adult Protective Services because it's one of our biggest concerns. Our data analysis is showing that our referrals are down by 23% from a year ago. And just as you said, you know, there's less people with eyes on these residents, and that is a very common source of referrals to adult protective services. So we need to do better in getting that word out, that keep an eye on your family members, your neighbors, and make a referral if there are any concerns about the health and safety of an older adult in Oregon. Looking ahead,
0: how will APD approach a return to normal operations as Oregon gradually and carefully reopens its economy? What do you want your team to know or
1: keep in mind moving forward? So this is a great question, and I think that all of us are experiencing some level of anxiety about what it's going to look like as Oregon reopens its economy. I think that the good thing is we're having this discussion because we were able to so successfully navigate these past couple of months in flattening the curve, preventing the hospital surge through the actions that everyone took, including the APD staff who contributed. There's going to be a lot of uncertainties uh, as we move into this next phase, and I would hope that our staff. Remain vigilant and continue to practice all of the CDC recommendations. And hopefully they'll give everyone a little bit of grace as we go through this new learning process for all of us. Sometimes maybe the counties will overstep, maybe sometimes the state will overstep. But I think in the end, we're all going to work it out and we're going to get the best possible outcomes for Oregon as we move forward. Thank you, Mike, for being with us today. I appreciate
0: everything that you do in a program that is um, highly been affected with COVID-19 and the population that you serve. Um, I really appreciate the work that all of your staff does during this very difficult time. Um, And I think I want to take on the phrase that you just used grace if we can give one another a bit of grace as we move through these times because we don't really know what lies ahead tomorrow the next day or the next week and we have to be adaptive and again practice an element of grace Uh, so thank you all for joining us for this podcast we'll continue these podcasts with the two remaining programs that we have within dhs and um We'll talk soon.